Folks, our guest today was a two-time New York City Golden Gloves champion by the time he was 18 years old. He entered the professional ranks later that year, amassing a record of 31-0 and reigning as the bantamweight champion of the world. But in 1994, when two unexpected losses threatened to derail this otherwise meteoric career, this stoic 23-year-old shrugged off the doubters and rededicated himself to the sport going on a new run of nine more straight wins, including a victory over future Hall of Famer Orlando Canizales. And in short order, he found himself in another title fight against a man considered by many to be the best in the business and by some to be unbeatable. But stepping into the ring as the heavy underdog against 43-0 Marco Antonio Barrera, this courageous young man was neither intimidated nor in doubt. He knew who he was, what it had taken to get him there, and he carried the unbridled spirit of the streets of Brooklyn, New York, in his heart and in his fists. And he proceeded to serve the heralded Marco Antonio Barrera the very first loss of his incredible career to become the new 122-pound champion of the world. But it didn't end there. Five months later, upon the immediate rematch, he handed Barrera his second loss as well. By the way, the only other man in history to do that is named Manny Pacquiao. Damas and Erin, Madame et Messieurs, Damas y Caballeros, ladies and gentlemen, I am as thrilled as I am honored to introduce you to one of the greatest ring warriors we've ever known and one of the finest gentlemen you'll ever meet, a true New York hero, Brooklyn's own, Junior Jones. Welcome, champ. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really nice to see you. Um, Likewise. Poison. That was your nickname. Yes. You know, I only got to know you once you were retired and out of the ring. You don't seem like a poison, You want to know where I got today, Poison? Yeah, where'd it come from? I really got to tell you the story. Yeah. My my legal given name is Ivy Jones Jr., and I can't stand the name Ivy because when I was in school, kids called me Poison Ivy, Ivy Soap, so I couldn't stand Ivy. So one day I was fighting in the uh, in a kid girls tournament, and some some guy manager yelled out the air yeah, why I can't knock this guy out and put him on a stretcher, and some guy yelled out why I got poison in my hand. So I, I realized I'm well, Poison Ivy. I leave my Ivy. I keep Poison. Well, I, the thing is, I have seen you fight, and I watched your fight. You know, when you, when you were professional, I was a big fan. I when I having seen you fight, I can understand the nickname because that right hand was was poison. It was lethal. Yes, Roy um, Jones had said you were one of the one of the, one of the best hitters in the featherweight division, and George Foreman had said you're just straight out one of the best boxers in the business. In fact, he said he's one of the best boxers out there. He gets in trouble when he gets in and likes to brawl. <laughs> exactly. That, that was my problem. My thing was the boxing to the point where if I got hurt, people said the smartest thing would do would be to try to buy time, hold on, grab. But for some reason, if you hit me and you hurt me, my 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 in my mind, I got to get you back. I, can't, I don't want to wait until two hours. I got to do it right there. So... I forget totally about the hole of the grab. I just want to fight. Yeah, I I understand. I understand, and it, and it shows because you, 
You're a gentleman and lovely guy, but when that fight turns into a fight, you, you really fight, man. But, but mind you, um, when I, uh, before I turned pro, when I turned pro, I told the manager I was with at the time that um, if I lose a fight, I told him I would never lose my decision ever. I said, you just stop me, you got to knock me out. And all my fights, besides one, I got stopped. So when I finally lost the fight with a decision, I decided to retire because I felt like I was protecting myself or I was just a little gunshot. So that's why I retired. Good. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, you, you seemed to know when it was time to get out. You seemed to know what that window was and when that window was closing. And you retired as a young guy. You were still 31 years old when you retired. Yeah, correct. Correct. How did you I, know it was time to get cause, out? Because I lost, I lost my decision. And I felt that little my decision. I was protecting myself. I was gunshot. I didn't want to go in there and mix it up. My thing is, I lose a fight. I would never lose my decision. I knock you out, you knock me out, I stop you, you stop me. Thank God I've been knocked out, but you stop me, I stop you. And when I didn't get stopped, this fight, I figured, you know what? This is not me. I I don't want to go on fire because now I feel that I'm trying to protect myself and trying to do that, I'm going to get hurt. So you knew, you just knew. You couldn't do it the way you used to do it. You nah, couldn't defend yeah, yourself yeah, anymore that way. Yeah, I know. My thing was, I mean... Like I said, you got to stop to lose. When I fight with me, you knock out, you stop. It's only you win. So when I lost my decision, I knew right then that this this, this ain't me. I was trying to protect myself. I think a lot of guys today could use uh, your your tutelage and your advice, buddy. Um, There's guys out there fighting in their 50s in big pay-per-view matches. What do you think about guys like Tyson and Jones fighting? Man. It's an exhibition fight, but they, they, they're not trying to kill each other. And if you can make money playing around with each other, I'll do it too. But it, they want to they fight the, the league guys, and I don't see that happen. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I agree with you there because I don't begrudge anybody making money. I don't begrudge those guys trying to make money for themselves. But I think the confusion is among the public is – we're supposed to, or some people think we're supposed to look at those as real fights. And I, I agree with you. They're yeah, exhibitions. They're not, they're not real fights. They're not, they're, the thing, they're not trying to knock each other out. They're trying to carry, they're trying to put on a show. They're yeah. trying to be showing, put on a show with people. So I feel that if I got to go, if I'm going to put on a show and I know beforehand, I know no problem, I'll do it. But if I'm in a serious fight where there's something on the line, I'm trying to protect myself, I should be, I should be in there because then, I could get seriously hurt and it'd be, it'd be, it'd be you know, incredible. So I felt, you know, let me step out. And there's like a code among you guys, isn't there? You guys, I, I know a handful of former pro fighters through my friend, our mutual friend, Ice Cold, who I appreciate him, you know, introducing us. But I've met a bunch of guys who, who spend some real successful years in the ring. I met, I met Joe Frazier years ago. I've, I've met Larry Holmes, Jerry Cooney, Ray Mercer, I've met Iran. I know you know Iran. Hasim yeah. Rahman, Winky Wright. I've met Lou Severis. And the one thing about it is, well, one thing that really surprises me is how 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 what nice guys you are, what gentlemen you all are, and how there's no more, you know, it's never a, hey, I'm a tough guy. It's just it's no, you guys no, have left all that behind, haven't you? That's business. I mean, my thing when you see me in the ring, I'm a different type of type of person. That's you turn from. I'm a nice guy to beast. So my thing is, you know, when you're outside the ring, 
cameras off and crowds are cheering, you become who you really are. And how many am I'm so spoken. I, I'm, you know, like I said, my thing, I'm not, I'm not violent. So I think I get to be who I am as a person. So awesome. you got to separate your business and who you are. Like a lot of people like Floyd Mayweather, the little guy, they entwine both of us. Why they always and hell out of get written up. You got to know who you are as a person, as a fighter. That's great. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I must say it's a lot of fun being around you guys and hearing you talk about, you know, your careers and that your, your, your perspectives on each other. It's a really nice little sort of club you guys have. Yes. Now, what about that? There is that sort of clubbiness, isn't there? Whether you guys were in the same weight bracket or whether you were in different eras, there seems to be a real mutual respect amongst you guys. You yeah, business is business. I mean, fighting, if we're in the same division or we chair is different. My thing is, you can you can put your business who you are personally and who you are for the sport into the same into the same bag. You got to separate the two. You got to become. I think I got to be this person. I'm not a fighter every day, so I got to be. I got to be. I am as a pure as a person human being every day. Absolutely, good for you. After that first Barrera win, you went you went to celebrate with your corner. I saw our friend Alice Cole, who had just won his fight, yeah. lift you up in the air. Yeah. What was that victory like for you? I mean, it, 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 it was a sweet victory because like I said, to go into a fight where the odds and the hundreds to one, the odds get so big to the point where they got to take up the board. And to beat that guy because the thing was no 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 one would listen to me. Main time I tell people there's a fight that I know for a fact wanna win. I know he's telling me for me. No one no one believe me. No one thought that I was just trying to talk himself into the fight. It was self confidence and to beat a guy of that magnitude meant a lot to me. But how did you know? How did you know? How did you know uh, you were gonna beat him? Uh, but the people forget remember I called the fair body to beat him. I said this is a five-round fight. It was thought that I was, like, losing my mind because it happened in the fifth round. Because the thing is, you got to say, Barrera was – I watched him. He he was sharp. He was dangerous. But Mexican fighters, I love because they come straight to you and they, they want to punt. I know I can punt. So my thing is when I fought Barrera, I know for a fact that if he come to me and try to fight me, this is going to be a quick fight because I hit just as hard as he hit. You had had an incredible start to your career. You went on that 31-0 run that I mentioned. You were bantamweight right. champion, and you hit a couple stumbling blocks, as, as usually happens, right. uh, with those two real unexpected losses. But you didn't, you didn't die. You didn't, get, you didn't get down on yourself. You just rededicated yourself, and you went back to work. And I'll tell you this. I've watched, you, I've watched a lot of your fights. Matt Barrera, those two Barrera fights, you were doing it as well as you ever were, buddy. You had you had the distance, you had that jab going, you kept the left hand up, and when it was time, you came, you followed it with that straight right, yes. and that that won you those fights. Well, it's funny, people always mention Barrera fight. That fight doesn't mean as much to me as Ken You mentioned Barrera, that to me. Tell me about that. I like, I like Barrera, but that's not my favorite victory. My favorite victory is Eleven Killers Out. Why was the Canizales fight so special to you? Is it because he, where it was? No, no, no. He dominated the battleweight ranks with, I think, 17 title defense the other time for 12 years. And they tried to match them. We never, we never matched the thing. Is, 
Here's a guy who broke the record for 17 defenses on top for 12 years. And so my thing was to beat him. Meant more to me than that much more me than the Barrera fight. Yeah, and that was a guy you had watched as a younger guy. He was he was five five six years older than you, and he had been an established guy. So exactly. it's like going in fighting one of your one of your heroes almost. Yeah, he had the, he had like the greatest chin. He was not knocking this guy out at all. I don't care who you are. Jones has found the second and third win in this fight. Stop punching. He Stop is out. really fighting the fight of his life. He is appears. producing a championship caliber effort. And now I think he is proving himself to be one of the greater bantamweights or junior featherweights to ever live. And they to beat him, to beat him 11 rounds to one. That's beautiful. And, and it did happen on your home turf. At the time, there was no Barclay Center. <laughs> yeah, it was the garden. It happened at the garden, exactly. But- I think it's fair to say, guys, that this is one occasion where the hometown has helped Junior Jones. But it was at the theater at the Garden, and I know from seeing fights in both houses, as a fan, that to me is the best place to see a fight because it's such a small little house. How is it as a as a as a boxer in the ring? Which how which one would you prefer? Well, uh, the boxing ring, I don't, I don't care where the fights are. When it's New York, Vegas, like say my thing, my job is to fight. So, no matter where it's at, it doesn't matter me going there. I'm not focused on where I'm at and where the ring is set up. I'm just focused on that person that I got to compete with. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I want to also mention your your Golden Glove fights, which I rewatched. Um, and I've been a big fan of the gloves for years. Yes. I've gone to many, many of them. I don't go anymore uh, for a couple reasons. It's not the same. I mean, my thing, I have nothing against I support the women boxing totally. But I think with the session of women boxing, it's just not the same with all the... I mean, the fighters aren't like they used to be anymore. So me and the Golden Gloves, I just can't really get into it like I used to. You got when I look back at you guys are those tapes of you in '88 and '89. You you won the novice at 119 in '88, and you won the open division at 119 in '89. You look like professional fighters already. Well, I think back then we were more dedicated to our trade. I think back then that we took the game more serious. We took our skills more serious, and we fought to compete. We didn't care about winning the glove. We just we know we're facing the best, so we had to be our best. So that's what we more focused on. So if I said the fight meant that I, I knew I could win. I thought I could win. I went in feeling the best in my fingers. If the guy beat me, just say, Aaron, I can't, I can't fight nobody but myself. I can't say, Trina did this and matches that. I fought myself because I'm the one that's up in there. Exactly. Good for you. Good for you for that attitude. I want to talk about a, a, a fairly unpleasant subject for a minute. Um, there are some guys who are hanging around a lot longer than they should, but you explained it as their ex- exhibition fights, and that's fine. Now, there's some other guys entertaining fights from circus clowns, basically. Some guys that never were fighters, yeah. but they're influential oh, in various ways. Yeah, tell me about what you think about the fact that Floyd Mayweather is going to give those clowns a stage. I believe for Floyd Mayweather makes good business in money wise, but as far as the general public circle, my thing is, quite these guys are YouTube fighters. All of a sudden now, they fight, they fight the best about time on earth, 
and we play when we give them credit, like they have a chance, they are the best. I mean, I think that that, that makes boxing a joke. One thing you do, that's like I say, I could pick someone off the street, just say, Oh, yeah, you want to fight me? Give you a name, give you give some attributes, and, and put you in there. So, I think the whole thing with Floyd and this, this Logan Paul is, is a disgrace to boxing. One thing is, anyone knows Logan Paul has no chance on Cap Vegas. There's no chance in the world. For Floyd, it makes sense because economically, for the money, you're making seven, eight figures, you're doing. So, for Floyd, it makes sense. But for the general boxing public, I think that it sucks. But, Junior, okay, I respect, I certainly respect your opinion. But Floyd Mayweather has made over half a billion dollars throughout his boxing career by Correct. people like me and you buying his pay-per-view fights. Maybe, maybe you don't buy him. Maybe you go to him. I don't buy him at all. <laughs> right. Well, I bought him because he was an incredible fighter with some of the best defense I've ever seen. But now yeah. for him to give a stage to a kid who's never even gone into an amateur fight, let right. alone a professional fight, do you, does, doesn't Floyd Mayweather owe the public – Something more and, and more dignity than that. I mean, he, he does, but you gotta understand, he's a businessman. Boxing comes a point in time where it becomes business, and for business-wise, he's doing the right business. You're taking the most money for the least risk. So for business-wise, it's perfect. And for like I said, for anybody who buys the fight, you are crazy. I would never buy that fight because. That's not a real fight. You're talking about two guys who's so two boxers fighting the best there was of our time. I think, it's, I think it makes a mockery out to sport of boxing. Now it made boxing like a joke. I agree with you in certain ways, and I disagree in terms of I just don't think Floyd should be taking that fight. Floyd doesn't need the money. Floyd could do a lot of other things, Man, including. He, got, he has a lot to lose. If, if, if this guy can look at the boxing, and, and this guy, he's a huge guy. He's much bigger than Floyd, so. Boxing is never a guarantee anything can happen. Oh, of course. But now, now he loses. Floyd gets clipped with a lucky shot, loses fight. He makes boxing look like it's a joke. That's what I'm saying. And I just don't think the stage should right. be set yeah, at all. It, it harms the sport. It hurts the sport. Floyd loses this guy. It hurts the sport a lot. I agree. Let let the circus stay in the circus and let boxing remain, retain its dignity. Exactly. Because we both know in reality, Logan Paul has no chance in the world. He's not. He's not. He's not a real boxer. YouTube boxing, professional boxing. You're talking about day and night. You can't. You can't compare the two. And Floyd, if he happens to, even if this guy hangs in there and does well with Floyd, it makes boxing look like it's a joke. Does it? Does it tarnish your opinion of Floyd at all? No, I don't talk about opinion because I think this is better for it's how you take the least risk for the most money. So Floyd feels that, which I feel this is, I have an aversion, you get $170, million, I'm doing too. Can you imagine Sugar Ray Robinson fighting a circus clown for money? No, not at all. Can you imagine Sugar Ray Leonard fighting a circus clown for money? Right now, to my people who has character, their character, they wouldn't do it. Plus, thing, some people, their money is everything. They think the one they make. But money's not everything. I think sometimes you have character, respect in yourself, the respect and the sport that made you who you are and, and say, you know, this is never worth it. Let me take another route. Junior, that's why I love you, buddy. You you hit it 
you just hit the nail on the head. It's about character, isn't it? Man, my thing, everything, my my money's gonna be all night, go all over except. But like I said, we all like money because I don't love money. I like it, but I don't love it. Some of them, we all like money. Some of them, money, money is not everything in this world. I think there's something that money can't buy. Love, health, life, strength, money can't buy. So if you want to go in there and make, make a market of sport with this guy, and, and people come there and say, I'm not going to buy it. If someone rents it and got it, I watch, but me to buy it, never because. That that fight's not worth buying. That's an incredible message, Junior, and I'm right there with you. Thank you for saying that. Um, Hall of Fame. Yes. Three of the fighters I mentioned already, uh, two of which you beat, are in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Orlando Canizales, Marco Antonio Barrera, and Manny Pacquiao, who's the only one who also beat Barrera two times. And right. By the way, let me just point out, he beat him at the end of Barrera's career. Yeah, he'd be he be very pretty much, but yeah, wear terrible. Yeah, you beat him in the middle of his prime, in the, at the peak, at the pinnacle of his prime. Yes, exactly. So I asked myself, and I asked some other people, why you're not in the Hall of Fame? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I mean, I don't give it much of a thought. My thing is, if I make it beautiful, if I make it, I'm satisfied with. What I've done in my career. I know that I gave the, the crowd fans the best that I can give them. I never cowered out or took the easy way. I always fought the best fight. So I leave it like that. And I, I just accept right now being in the New York, New Jersey Hall of Fame, being the only New Yorker in the Jersey Hall of Fame. I accept that more. Good for you, buddy. I, I'm right there with you, but I certainly think you ought to be in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, I want to mention real quick, you're from which part of Brooklyn? You're from Bushwick, right? Yeah, Bushwick Division. Did you happen to see the picture that I texted you of old, old Bushwick? Yeah, I did see that picture. Like I said, to see that picture, like to what it looked like when I was there, it's like day and night. Like I can't believe that's the same neighborhood. <laughs> it's a little different in 1711, wasn't it? A little different, it's a lot different. It's, it's unrecognizable. <laughs> It was it was the first suburbs essentially when Manhattan started to be all bought up. Um, yeah, Bush was normally supposed to be a rich area at first. At first, back then it was a rich area. Then as, as time came on, they never went downhill. Well, at the time it was essentially farmland. It was uninhabited farmland, Correct. and people moved there as early as 1638. Correct. And these were these were people from. Uh, the Netherlands and people from what is today Belgium and yes. people from um, what is Germany. And it, it it's just another piece of evidence that shows that New York is and always has been a true melting pot. And New York has a lot of diversity. I think, um, New York has different gender, different race, different nationality. There. So there's no excuse when you can say, you didn't know this person this way, that way. Yeah, but I'm totally... It's not present for who they really are than what you really think. Exactly. Exactly. What's your favorite New York boxing memory? Wow. Um, New York boxing memory, I guess, one in the gloves. Really? The, the second yeah. time when you won the Open? The first time. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think 
I heard about, you know, you hear, I said, see so many guys wearing these gloves, I want the gloves. And I told the gloves about they went to my market, so many became friends. Right. I heard about Mark and see with the gloves, and so many guys you can name that, that started their careers, my careers, because of the gloves, and to win the gloves, they more to meet somebody else. Yeah, and to a 17-year-old kid from Brooklyn, that's a pretty special thing to win, isn't it? And it is. I mean, I went to the finals at 16. And the crazy thing, I went to the finals at 16. And I lost to a guy I proved to be four times in a row. And wow. He, and he, he probably beat me. He beat me one of the biggest fights at the amateur tournament back then. So then to come back the next, the next two years and win, it's a lot of And that's really what it's all about because you don't learn much when you win, but when you lose, you learn everything, don't you? When, yeah, exactly. When, when, when you win, it's like, it's a good thing. I think sometimes you hate the win and you, you don't take it with a great so you felt that you, you did something. But when you lose, you go back to the drum bell, you look, you look at where you messed up at, what you can add on to your repertoire, things like that. Did the spirit of New York help you along in your in your boxing career as just the fact that you were from New York, whether you were fighting in the garden where you fought over 20 times or whether you were on the road, like when you beat Barrera? Did the spirit of New York stay with oh, you? Oh, definitely. Come, I think coming from New York, it's like you have a lot of shoulders. New York tough and being New York good. And New York has so much history behind good fighters. Absolutely. I agree with you. Well, I believe that uh, New York has a real spirit in its soil and the winds that blow uh, throughout the boroughs. And I think it's something that links people to the great history that's been here. And I think it gets inside people and inspires them. Well, Mr. Junior Jones, you yourself are a living legend, a true New York hero and a true American hero. Your strength and courage in the ring is rivaled only by your kind, gentle spirit beyond that ring. And it's an absolute pleasure to know you and to have the great memories of your incredible battles. You are a relentless warrior and a consummate champion, and we salute you. You are a great inspiration to millions of young people, and you embody that indelible spirit that lives beneath the sidewalks of New York and gusts between the canyons of this incredible place. We cannot express enough how we appreciate your sharing some of your own heart and spirit with us. Thank you. Likewise, thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Junior. Ladies and gentlemen, a world-class boxer and gentleman, the world champion who is all about character, Brooklyn's own Junior Jones. Love that guy. Folks, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're enjoying Island Voices on YouTube, please be sure to hit the red subscribe button on the bottom right of your screen to get every week's episode. Now, Damas and Iren. Madame et Messieurs, Damas y Caballeros, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to delve deeper into the history of Manhattan, the incredible history of Manhattan from 1609 to 1909, then you must join us for our primary podcast, Island, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major podcast directories. Climb aboard. History is cool. And we remind you to listen to the voices. They are the indelible echoes of the indomitable spirit of this incredible island. We'll see you next time.